The Florida Gators take on the Kentucky Wildcats tomorrow. Here's what the Florida Gators need to do to walk away with a victory. You are Locked On Gators, your daily podcast on the Florida Gators. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Locked On Gators, part of Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks for making Locked On Gators your first listen of the day. We are available daily and free wherever you listen to podcasts. My name is Brandon Olson. Find me on Twitter at WNS underscore Brandon. Find all my written work with Whole Nine Sports, Giants Country, NFL 33. And we're going to dive right into this. For the Florida Gators to beat the Kentucky Wildcats this weekend, because, again, this is a Kentucky team that's, that's won two in a row against the Florida Gators now, the offense needs to work. That has to be the most important part. And I, I realize how duh that sounds, because, yes, the offense needs to work. But the Florida Gators can't get into a spot where they need to throw the ball vertically downfield. It's tough to go into Kentucky and operate successfully. We know that. I mean, Kingsley Aguakin, who's going to be starting at center for the Florida Gators, he had seven penalties on his on his own last time that he went into Kentucky in 2021. And it's not entirely his fault. There were false starts because he couldn't hear a crowd is so loud. And Dan Mullen just took a decade and a half to go to a silent count and, and fix some issues there. But for the Florida Gators as a run game, you have to be available. The run game has to be available. They're going to stack the box. Teams are going to stack the box against the Florida Gators. You have to be willing to run the football. And also, Florida, the run game should be working anyway. This is a Kentucky Wildcats team that has 41 broken tackles or 41 missed tackles so far this season. That's really bad. Florida has, I, I think, low 30s, high 20s. So 41 is yikes. If you're a Kentucky Wildcat fan, probably going to see some missed tackles, broken tackles there by both Montreal Johnson and Trevor Etienne. Florida has to be able to move the ball without turning it over as well because this is a Wildcats defense. It's been, one, very aggressive, and two, has been able to force turnovers. And with those turnovers, that's how their offense gets going a lot. That's how their offense gets going a lot, okay? It's, oh, we just got a pick. We just forced a fumble. Now we can we can capitalize on that momentum. This is a Florida Gators offense that has not turned the ball over much. They've got uh, three fumbles. I think they lost two of those, or sorry, four fumbles, and they lost three of those fumbles. Uh, and then they've just got the one interception that, again, hit Ricky Pearsall, popped up, and then was picked. This is not a team that turns the ball over frequently. So for Kentucky, I don't know about forcing those turnovers. It's also important to note that they were a Mickey Mouse 4 in O because, well, who have they played that's relevant to the college football world this year? Because the answer is nobody. This is this is Kentucky's actually first difficult opponent that they're going to face. And so Florida, you, you can't make it easy for them. Don't turn the ball over. The run game has to get going. Like offense, you want to throw the ball short and you want to convert that way and you want to pick up yards that way. Florida has more than more than half of their passing yards are run after the catch. And that's fine. We'll talk about that in a little bit. But 
this is a Kentucky defense where you can do that. You, you can dink and dunk and then just pick up yards after the catch there. That's fine because, again, this is a Kentucky defense that has 41 missed tackles so far this season. That is very bad. So for Florida, your run game should find success. This is kind of similar to the Tennessee approach of get the running backs into space, get them to the second level, and let them do their jobs because at that point, that's when the defense is going to find some real issues. Just get them past that first level. Get them into space. Get them in position to find success, and you're going to find success. Offense might need to throw the ball a little bit further downfield, probably going to see quite a bit of press coverage from Kentucky because they know that that's how you disrupt this short offense. But even if they do, you still need to take care of the football. You can push the ball downfield a little bit, make them respect that a little bit more, but you need to be able to throw the football and take care of it. That's the most important part here offensively. You need to take care of the football. And I understand that that's something that every single week you can say that. Two things about that. One, every single week it's important to take care of the football, okay? Two, it's really important this week because we've talked about it every time we've talked about this game. This is a game where Kentucky's going to drag you down and play their just messy, ugly, tough style of football. You can't make it easier for them because they are certainly not going to make it easier for you. Offense has to stay out of position where they need to throw the ball deep. You can throw the ball deep. You might have to throw deep a little more frequently than usual, but you can't be stuck in third and longs and then you have to throw the ball and that's where errors really kill you. Like it's truly as simple as that. We know that Florida is going to use their jet motion. Hopefully that's going to keep Kentucky backed off a little bit because you don't want to be stuck in an unfortunate spot against that motion. And you don't want to be trying to motion across the field through that kind of traffic. But hopefully with Kingsley Aguakin coming back, this offense will get back on track. Because last week, again, I know I've been hard on the offensive line and the offense in general versus that Charlotte game. I still am. That was a bad performance. There's no other way to put it. But with Kingsley Aguakin back, Micah Mazuka back, with both Damian George and Lindell Hudson available and likely going to play at least a little bit at tackle, this is an offensive line that should be much improved. This is their second game where they get all the starters playing together. The first one was that Tennessee game. And if you can replicate that in the ground game and get them in space, Trevor Etienne, Montrell Johnson, even Trayon Webb, should be able to pick up some significant yards once they get past that line of scrimmage. So this is an offense that that's what you've got to do. You've got to create offensive line needs to show up. I fully expect to see Florida go back to what they did against Tennessee and didn't do too much against Charlotte with that GT counter, which is the guard and tackle pulling. Uh, You got the, the tackle and tight end pulling with that counter. Expect to see that again, because that's how you're going to attack this aggressive Kentucky defense. And that's how you get these running backs in space. So I would expect to see that more frequently. I would expect to see the offense get a little bit more aggressive again. But most important thing you have to do is not give Kentucky the football. It's as simple as that. Not not turn the ball over and not give them that momentum. Do that on offense. Find your running game or stick to your running game on offense. You should be able to find some success there. But for the rest of the show... We're going to talk about defense because, again, I've said a billion times, this is 
a game where Kentucky is going to try to just drag you down to their level and beat you there. It's like I always say, like, never argue with an idiot because they'll bring you down to their level and then beat you with experience. That's what it's like playing against Kentucky. They're like, oh, well, we suck offensively. We're going to bring your offense down to that level, and we're going to win that battle. You can't let them do that. But defense needs to show up. We know this is going to be a tough game, but defense, you can't make it easier on that Kentucky offense. And we're about to talk about how Florida can kind of make that happen here. But first, did you know that 80% of men will experience hair thinning in their lifetime? Happens to all of us. It's normal. It doesn't have to be your fate, though. You can go and get ahead of thinning with Nutrafol. Nutrafol is the number one dermatologist-recommended hair growth supplement clinically shown to improve your hair growth, visible thickness, and visible scalp coverage. Go to Nutrafol.com slash men to take their hair health wellness quiz, identify causes of your thinning hair, and Nutrafol will give you a personalized plan for better hair health through whole body wellness. Take the first step to visibly thicker, healthier hair for a limited time. Nutrafol is offering our listeners $10 off your first month's subscription and free shipping. When you go to Nutrafol.com slash men and enter promo code locked on college. And speaking of hair thinning and, and men issues, do you ever have trouble performing? Are you ever out with your partner and feel like you can't get the job done? Does it get worse when there are lots of people around? Is it especially bad with guacamole? I'm talking about weak chips, ones that can't handle a single scoop of guac. Oh, here at Zach's Mighty Tortilla Chips, we understand the pain of trying to dip with weak tortilla chips, and no one wants to go soft on the guac, right? Unlike other chips, Zach's Mighty Tortilla Chips are literally built to dip. Like, they're made the old-fashioned way by cutting actual tortillas. Zach's Mighty Tortilla Chips are both sturdy and delicious, and Zach's Mighty Tortilla Chips are now available at Publix in Sea Salt, Lime and nacho flavors. Find them in the deli section with the dips. Head on over to Publix, grab a bag of Zach's Mighty, and scoop that guac like the stud that you are. Thanks again for making Lockdown Gators your first listen of the day. Every day we are available daily and free wherever you listen to the podcast. Uh, Thomas, I know you hate, but it is what it is. But for Florida, defense has been the name of the game this season. Defense has been playing lights out. For Florida, I think tackling has to be the primary focus here defensively. Like the only reason that this Kentucky passing offense is explosive on paper on film. Yes. There's plenty of big plays, but it's because of their after the catch ability, not because of a vertical passing. Their passing attack isn't like similar schematically to Florida, but it's similar in the sense of they want to keep the ball short, pick up yards after the catch and kill you that way. Can't let them do that. I'll, I'll pull up the numbers now to show you, but I, I do know that uh, of 1,063 receiving yards, that's how many receiving yards Kentucky has, 577 of them are after the catch. That's 53. That's 54.3%, which is similar to Florida, having more yards after the catch than air yards. And I want to make it very clear, that's not an insult. That's not a knock on either of these teams. If that's how your offense works, then do it. I don't care how it is. Like, I don't care if it's like, we're not throwing the ball deep. We're not taking these deep shots. If your offense works, who cares, right? Simple as that. Tavion Robinson, Kentucky's leading receiver, has 283 total receiving yards. 
141 of them half after the catch. Okay. Ray Davis has a hundred Ray Davis running back. For those of you who don't know, Kentucky's running back. Ray Davis has 138 receiving yards. 151 of them are after the catch. He has more yards after the catch than he has total receiving yards. Like this is a team that is going to throw the ball short, pick up yards after catch and make you pay if you don't finish and fly up and make that tackle. I mean, hell, almost half of Ray Davis's rushing yards come after contact. It's not just the passing game that thrives off of bad tackling. It's their offense. It's their rushing attack too. Ray Davis is 311 rushing yards. 151 of them are after contact. And this is where we find out what he's made of. Like, this is where, like, I know we, we talked about it yesterday on the Lockdown crossover with Lance Daw from Lockdown, Kentucky, where we were like, hey, this is the, the, the who are you game for Kentucky. Florida was Tennessee's who are you game. This is that for Kentucky. And Florida in, in their who are you game against Tennessee, because Florida, I mean, right away we were tested. We know that. Like, right away we were tested as a fan base. The Gators were tested as a football team, as a program. Right away they were tested with Utah, and then Tennessee, and now Kentucky. Kentucky hasn't played anybody worth their salt. They played a Vanderbilt team that has not looked great. They played Eastern Kentucky, Ball State, and Akron. Who on that list is impressive from Kentucky's schedule? That's why I call them a Mickey Mouse 4 now. When uh, Tennessee went to the swamp, everybody was talking about, oh, Tennessee's running backs. They create yards after contact. And the point was, you've done it against nobodies. For Kentucky, it's the same thing right now. Congratulations on your yards after catch. Congratulations on your yards after contact running the football. You've done it against nobodies. And I understand that, yeah, these are still like these are still programs that are FBS and all that. Yes. They're not SEC athletes. And that's an important distinguishing factor here. So while Ray Davis's numbers look impressive on the ground, do it against Florida, and then I'll be impressed. While Kentucky's receiving yards look impressive after the catch, do it against Florida, and then I'll be impressed. Because this is a Florida team where the linebacker play has been awesome. Jamar James has been lighting it up. Scooby Williams has been a freaking menace. Manny Nunnery is, I, I don't know. like I feel like he knows what play is happening before the offense even gets the call in. Like He's like, okay, this is what they're going to do in second and eight. Or like I, I don't know, he's his IQ is insane. Putting himself in position, that's going to be an important part here. Is Manny Nunnery going to play? Scooby Williams going to play? Shamar James going to play? Derek Wingo going to play? Taraji Mitchell probably going to play. This is a deep linebacker rotation and a talented linebacker rotation. So Kentucky again, fifty four point three percent of their yards come after the catch. Florida's been good tackle numbers wise, and they've been playing tough competition they've played two power five schools whereas kentucky has played one and it was a vanderbilt team that hasn't been impressive and looked even worse than usual so for florida like this is where we find out linebacker pursuit aggressiveness and tackling matters this is the game for you 
Kentucky has 41 missed tackles on the year. Florida has 24. 24 missed tackles on the year. This is a, a defense that has been lighting it up, making plays, and, and now we find out what they're made of. There's also Florida has 100 stops this year. 100. That means Florida has stopped opposing teams for a gain of three or less 100 times this year. Do it again against Kentucky, and you completely destroy their If you can do that against Kentucky, you're probably going to just annihilate them in every fashion. Kentucky has 104 stops this year, but again, they've played nobody worth their salt. So Florida's tackling needs to show up in this game. They've showed up pretty consistently this year. Do it again against Kentucky. That's all you have to do. We are about to talk about how else Florida needs to show up defensively, which is, of course, the pass rush. Before we talk about that, though, snap into action with the NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. And right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. It's $200 in bonus bets whether you win or lose. If you win, you get your winnings plus $200 in bonus bets. If you lose, you still get $200 in bonus bets. It's beautiful. Love it, right? Can't get better than that. If you're thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The NFL has been a beautiful profit machine so far this year. The app's easy to use, wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, so much. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on. Kick off the NFL season. Remember that FanDuel is an official partner of the NFL. Thanks again for making Lockdown Gators your first listen of the day. Every day we are available daily and free wherever you listen to the podcast. And Florida's pass rush needs to show up also tomorrow. And there's a little bit of a concern there. Before, before I talk about the concern, I will tell you, Florida's offensive line, which so many of us Gators fans have been complaining about, where it's like, oh my God, the pass blocking has been horrible. Florida's offensive line's allowed 27 pressures this year. 11 of those came against Utah. Okay? That's an important stat to remember because Kentucky's offensive line has allowed 23 pressures this year. And again, Kentucky hasn't played anybody. Almost half of Florida's pressures came against Utah, which was a very aggressive defense when they played Florida. Okay? Kentucky's allowed almost as many pressures while playing nobody even close to the level of competition that Florida's played in two of their four games in Utah, Tennessee. They played very aggressive teams, way more talented than the teams Kentucky's played. And their pressure numbers are relatively similar. My concern here with creating that pressure is that for Florida, most of your pressures have come off the edge. For, for Florida, most of your pressures have been, you know, Prince Leumon Mielin, who right now is like set. He's on pace to set the record for pass rush win rate um, in true pass sets, which excludes PA rollouts, RPOs, screen uh, plays in which they were quicker than two seconds, like slants and stuff like that. Most of Florida's pe- pressures have come off the edge. You've had Prince Leumon Mielin, uh, Kelby Collins, Scooby Williams, Tyreek Sapp. Those are four of your top five pressure creators 
this season if you're the Florida Gators. The one who I didn't name was Caleb Banks, who is on the interior. He's created 11 pressures. Prince Leon Malin is in first with 18, and Caleb Banks is second. The big concern there is that for Kentucky, most of their pressures allowed have come on the interior. It's both the guard spots. Both both the guard spots are the weak spots in pass in pass protection. So outside of Caleb Banks, there has not been much pressure, much, much pass rush by this Gators interior defensive line. That should be the concern where someone other than Caleb Banks on the interior needs to show up. As simple as that. He's going to get one-on-one opportunities because you're probably going to see Cam Jackson either get double teamed or Cam Jackson is going to start creating pressure as a pass rusher on the interior as well. I think it's more likely that you see that double team between the center and whichever guard that Cam Jackson is lined up near. But again, it's Caleb Banks. But then when Caleb Banks isn't on the field, someone on the interior needs to create pressure. But someone on the interior needs to create pressure for this Florida Gators interior defensive line. I will say that for me, and I mentioned this on Wednesday, where I think Austin Armstrong should be more aggressive in this game than he's really been before. Austin Armstrong needs to dial up linebacker pressures, blitzes, whatever it is. He needs to get the linebackers into the interior for a few reasons. One, you occupy the, because there's a few things that can happen when you blitz, we'll say, Scooby Williams or Shamar James on the interior. The center picks them up. If the center picks them up, then that means that the guards are on an island in pass protection. If you rush five, you can't double-team anybody unless you keep a tight end or a running back into pass protect. That's a big important part there because running backs for Kentucky have been awful in pass protection. College running backs in general are not good in pass pro. That's just a good general rule of thumb. A lot of them are not good in pass pro. Florida will pay will play a couple of good pass protecting running backs. Kentucky ain't one of them. So both of Kentucky's primary running backs have been rough when it comes to pass protection. Got a linebacker rush? Then you either have a linebacker against the running back picking him up in blitz protection or, or in pass protection. Then you probably win that. If it's your center that picks him up and you don't keep your tight end running back into pass protection, then you've got one-on-ones across the board. And Florida should win those somewhere, whether it's Kayla Banks or Cam Jackson or Prince Lee Miami Allen or Tyreek Sapp. If you can get one-on-ones across the board, you should win those. You should get pressure. Let's say Florida keeps a tight end in to pass protect because you've got Tyreek Sapp one-on-one blocked. You've got, And this is hypothetically the rotation that's going to be out there. Got Tyreek Sapp one-on-one blocked. You've got Cam Jackson double-teamed. Okay? Cam Jackson needs to be double teamed at some point. And and then you're just looking at tight end one-on-one with Prince Lee Monmielen. Because if you've got the tackle occupied with Tyreek Sapp, you've got your guard and center occupied with Cam Jackson. You've got a guard picking up Scooby Williams. Then you've got a, a tackle dealing with Caleb Banks. And then your tight end is one-on-one with Prince Lee Monmielen. Because he's going to be lined up out wide. He's probably going to be lined up in the wide nine pretty frequently. And you're going to have to deal with that one if you're Kentucky's offense. Pass rush has to get in. I want the blitzes to come. I, I like. I need Austin. And I know Austin Armstrong is going to be aggressive. We all know that. 
I need these blitzes because I don't think Kentucky's offensive line can handle them. And especially on the interior, I know Kentucky's offensive line can't handle any of them. So for Florida, you've got to get pressure created constantly. And you can do that. Like, like you can hit home frequently. It's just someone has to step up that isn't Caleb Banks on the interior. When you don't rush the when you don't blitz, someone needs to win those battles. Thanks for making Lockdown Gators your first listen of the day, every day. Make sure to make Lockdown SEC your second listen, I would say. Maybe Lockdown Kentucky for, for this week might be the way to go. We'll be back tomorrow after the Florida Gators, hopefully, beat the Kentucky Wildcats with Lockdown Gators. For Lockdown Gators, I'm Brandon Olson. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter at WNS underscore Brandon. Find all my written work with the whole nine sports, Giants, Country, NFL 33. And as always, I'll see you all tomorrow.